Pacos de Ferreira. Is that what we're calling them? The team we play Thursday. I have no idea. I just I completely banked on that. Yeah, we play a game on Thursday. So watch. I guarantee you, when we start talking about the game on Thursday, Scott's going to be like, "We're playing a game today." Uh huh. Mister Mister uh, Mister Cup Cups only. No 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 Premier League Premier League doesn't count. Cups only is not going to know we're playing a game on Thursday. You watch. Uh, nobody tell him. A rebuilding job. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aesthetica, joined by three of my good friends, Dakota Todd and Shuban. Dakota is at Dakota J Booth. He's out there in Tennessee. How you doing, man? I am in love with Youngman's son. I think is well, how that's, I'm doing. How's that different from and, any other Sunday? Well, you know, watching him take that solo lap and be the last man out on the pitch, clapping the fans, just it tugged on my heart a little bit more than you know a normal Youngman's son day. And uh, we will talk about Youngman's son later, but. It truly is. Today felt like a changing of a guard moment. It truly is a beautiful. It truly is a beautiful Sunday. We've also got at TC underscore Kasho, the Todd father out there in SoCal. Todd, how's it going, man? Dude, every day that you get to talk about Tottenham winning the opening match of the season is a good fucking day. And when that's against uh, those oil-infused sky blue fucks from up north, it's good news. It's very, very good news. I'm a happy, happy guy. I'm also happy um, that uh, Jack Rearlish got made out to look like a punk all day did, long today. It was he wonderful. did that. He did that. He spent more time on the ground, I think, than he did in our box. That's true. He's also uh, We've also got at the real Shuban. Shuban is with us Shubes. from London. Shubes, how's it going, mate? Fantastic. Go yeah, Fraudiola. The price gone up, three hundred million. <laughs> Tell you and your fucking slave owning masters, they go fuck themselves. Well, that is uh, the entrance that we were all prepared for. I'm sure from <laughs> from at the real Shuban. <laughs> you can follow the podcast at Tottenham Depot, and we thank you for doing so. Um, Tottenham Hotspur one, Manchester City, the champions of England, nil. It is a three point start to the season for Spurs. Um, Guys, this was fucking awesome. Like, there's no other way to put it. Um, I think coming into this one, we all would have been really, really pleased with a point from this match. Uh, we said so in our preview earlier this week. And to come away from this match with three points and to keep Manchester City winless at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is a really, really big deal. And it's beautiful to see. So um, let's start out by looking at the lineup because I think that is notable and it's especially notable to, to see who was even involved in the squad, which we will obviously get onto. But the lineup consisted of obviously Hugo Lloris in goal, Jaffa Tanganga out at right back, that center back pairing of uh, Sanchez and Dyer, Reggion at left back, Hoybier and Skip in the midfield, uh, Lucas, Deli, Bergvine and Son. 
in attack. And this was an unchanged 11 from last week's preseason friendly against Arsenal. So I don't think it was too shocking, but especially what, because you called, <laughs> especially because I called it. Yeah. And I think one of, one of, for those who didn't see on our Twitter account yesterday, everyone predicted the lineup. I think it was myself and maybe our buddy Chad who might have both predicted the 11s perfectly. So we will be keeping tabs of that. If you want to play along, follow at Tottenham Depot and, and submit your, your lineup before each match too. But yeah, this was not that shocking of a lineup to me. I think some people might have expected to see, um, I don't know, maybe Joe Rodon. Some people might have expected to see La Celso. Some people might have expected to see someone else at right back because we know that Tanganga took a knock last week. But um, Dakota, what was your first reaction to the eleven? I guess like all's well that all's well that ends well, right? Yeah, uh, the, you know, I had a I had the exact same lineup as as you and Chad, except I swapped out Skip for La Celso, and boy, would that have been dumb because. Oliver Skip played like a man today and Monster. that pairing with him and PEH is, you know, on the surface and on paper may seem super defensive, but I think it is anything but. So I, you know, the midfield was a problem for us last season. We got ran over and we were out of position a lot in the midfield, a lot of last season. And I can't think of a time that that happened at all today against a team who is designed to run you over in the midfield. So I wasn't really surprised with the lineup. Uh, and, you know, that's obviously a whole lot easier to say when they put in the performance that they did. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really, really pleased with the lineup. Really, really pleased with the effort that was put out by those players that started uh, and came on as subs today. It's almost as if the difference was, and this is something that we talked about on, on a different podcast last season, but like, you know, the difference was having two guys who were capable of playing in defense in the midfield in Skip and Hoybier, rather than having Hoybier paired with somebody like Sissoko or Winks, who are not fucking Oliver, terrible. Not Oliver Skip. <laughs> I was I was gonna okay, they're fucking terrible. I was gonna put it nicely. They're not <laughs> Oliver Skip. Todd, is that was that the big difference for you in this one? Was yes. that, that 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 combo in the middle? Yes. Yes. And I've been banging on about it since we started seeing Skippy in the preseason. It's like this man is the class of our midfield. He allows PEH to be better. And that's the thing. When you have a player that plays that spot, you need them to make the players around them better. I thought he made Dyer and Sanchez better. I thought he made PEH better. I thought he made our attack more fluid than it was at any point in time with the other two gentlemen that you mentioned on the pitch. Shuban, um, in terms of the substitutes in this match, I thought it was interesting. The first sub that was made, 77th minute, LaCelso comes on for Bergvine, and we'll get on to Bergvine in a minute. But I actually really liked, because at this point Spurs had the lead, and I like the way that Nuno thought about this because he brought a midfielder on for a forward and it kind of changed things from a 4-3-3 into almost a 4-4-2 with Son and Lucas being up top. And it allowed for more possession, it seemed, for, for, for me, which was exactly what Spurs needed in that moment. And Lacelso was able to provide it for them a little bit. I think we had a bit more balance. And obviously when you're playing, obviously when you're 1-0 up and you're playing on the counter, quick counter, being 4-4-2, does give you that ability to go down the wings and stretch the play. But I think Gio, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of Copa America, but I think he started on the left for Argentina quite a lot. So I think that really worked. So I think, yeah, but I mean, the one thing I, I think I noticed beyond anything, when the first five, ten minutes, they were all over, it's like a rash. But 
Yeah. Last last year I said okay, it was calmness. This year it was grit. Just sheer grit. I mean, they were and look at the old Spurs, like pre Pochino Spurs, would have faltered. Even Harabena Spurs have faltered. But this was a gritty side that and I don't know how much of it's down to the players, the manager. But I think there was one thing I'll be talking about the subs. I don't know how much Italian or Spanish PH speaks. But he's saying something to Romero. Romero's just like nodding along like anything. And I'm like, I don't know if he's that much English he speaks at all, if anything, but clearly, or French or Danish, whatever. But clearly, he's um, he's able to understand, yeah, there's a message I've received here. Let me go to my thing. And I think that's why I love TC showing up the whole book. Gotta do it. It's my vibe. The thing is, it's just something about that. But I think there's that resilience, but more importantly, there's the quality because. I thought Skip could have, this is, we think of Skip being around for a long time. He has been around for a long time, but this is his first like PL start I can think of, I think for a while. I mean, maybe I'm not, he might've made a, a start in, say, in, in, in like the first, in 1919 season and maybe on the, in the Mourinho's first season, yeah, the, in like, you know, when, when, yeah, the, the following year, but I don't remember him getting many PL starts to, to give a young kid like that a start. I mean, Gundogan is one of the smartest players very, very intelligent, high football IQ. And you know, he you know, and I think the sheer quality that you can tell the gap is gone a lot. He was you you was looking at he's thinking, well, it wasn't this hard last year because the sheer quality gone up against Jermaine <laughs> you know has risen up to such a level. But they all stuck in and, and I know we're gonna talk about some of the other players, but Dyer and Sanchez, I mean Tangang was my own match, but the effort that they've shown in, I don't know whether it's they've got Romero and people think yeah, they're there for we to raise our games, or whether it's just a different managerial approach. Because there's something I don't know, but Nuno wasn't first shot. We all know that, but there's something quite fatherly about him. Maybe it's the beard, you know. Obviously, you can you know, <laughs> yeah, beard, so maybe it's what it is. But there's something quite fatherly. So, yeah, you know, he'll give you a rollicking if you need it, but he won't do it in public. I'll tell you, and that's very true. He's very calculated in his words, like strong, strong leadership qualities that we've seen in the yep, first little time. bit of his tenure for, from from Nuno. I'm very happy with that. One thing that I wanted to kind of kind of piggyback off of you there, Shubes, and just kind of speaking about Skippy, is that uh, he gets stuck in. They all get stuck in. Every single one of the Spurs defenders let somebody fucking know today. And that's what I was excited to see. Everybody got into somebody today. And it looked good. It let City know this isn't going to be the same old Spurs. And, like, it's one match. I get it. But yeah. could you ask for more than that as a Spurs fan in a new season with literally ask a – what's the perfect way to put, to put HK situation in the, in the rearview mirror for at least a week? This now, granted, yeah. tomorrow the sun's going to come out with some wild, brazy shit to make it all about him again. But for the time being, we're where we need to be. Uh, Oliver Skip, by the way, one start in 2019 20 and two starts in 2018 19 for Tottenham in the Premier League. So, three starts total prior to today in the Premier League, and of course, none of them last year because he was, of course, with Norwich in the championship. So, um, that's a great, a great shout, Shuban, that he has you know, come right in and really has provided this team another dose of something in the midfield and obviously provided a lot today in defense. Let's talk about the defense for, for, for a moment because, you know, you brought it up, Shuban. Dyer Sanchez actually looked pretty good today. Um, Tanganga gets a lot of shouts for man of the match. Uh, he gets mine as well. 
I also thought Reggion was very good defensively. And for what we saw out of Reggion, the final 10 to 12 games of the season last year, which was horrendous defensively and really didn't even provide that much going forward. I thought Reggion and granted to Todd's point, it's one game, but Reggion today stepped in front of so many passes, intercepting them, clearing balls out, um, was really good in one-on-ones down, down near the box as well. Um, was just the back four as a whole played very, very solidly today. And, you know, something that Dakota mentioned earlier, it, there was a, there was a certain calmness to it. It did not, maybe the first five minutes or so, but this did not feel like a team under siege, like it did in the prior two meetings with this, with this man city club, both in the care cup mm-hmm. and the, and the last match, uh, up at the Etihad. Um, this felt calm and it felt in control and, Really, you know, Tottenham not only win on the scoreline, but I think they win on in terms of of looks, in terms of chances. You know, Hugo had to make the one big save late. Um, there were a couple of moments where it looked a little hairy, but overall, I thought this defense was calm and collected and played with a lot of poise. And that, if anything, filled me with an amount of confidence coming out of this game. Result aside, I mean, the result is obviously great, and that's what you want. But even if Spurs hadn't gotten the three points today. I think the way that this team looked in defense and the way that they even looked through the midfield and, and, and playing those counter counterattacks, they looked like they had intent uh, in, in the counters. And even when they had bits of the ball, which obviously they, they weren't going to have, uh, you know, quite as much as city. I, I didn't see what the final number was, but I think it was somewhere around 66 or, or 67% for city in possession. They, you know, you knew you weren't going to have as much of the ball, but even when Spurs had the ball, they looked like they had intent with it. They looked like they had a purpose. So Dakota, I guess that's a roundabout way of asking about the calmness of this team it, rather than rather than the franticness that we've seen against City the last two matches. Yeah, it felt it I you know you and I were talking before we started recording and it just it feels like there it, I never felt under pressure. I never felt worried that we were going to give up a goal. Even the the couple chances that City had that missed the mark, uh, you know, Mares slipping and sending the ball to Sissoko range. And uh, I forget who it was Fernandino, maybe that, that sent the header wide. Like I did, I wasn't even concerned about those two chances. And some of that has to be knowing that Hugo Lloris is in net and I trust him to, to be there. And just a real quick note about Hugo. When he came out for that corner, or for that uh, that ball that ended up being headed wide, I was encouraged by that because I think Hugo Lloris of last year would have stayed on his line and tried to save that instead of going out and trying to punch it. Uh, so maybe something to just kind of keep in our minds that maybe Hugo Lloris is going to be a little bit more aggressive this season. But yeah, I think that calmness is ultimately what led to the quality of chances that we gave ourselves uh, on the counter because the, it felt like the attackers had confidence moving forward because they trusted the players that were defending behind them. And when you are confident about the defending that's behind you, you can attack more freely. And, and, you know, you talked about quality of chances just, Real quick, I'll throw out the XG there. It was 1.08 to us uh, and 2.3 to Manchester City. Yeah. And and that is based purely on chances. They had twice as many shots on target as us, almost twice as, excuse me, almost twice as many shots as, just in general as us. 
Um, but the only, I think, real save that Hugh had to make was on Kevin De Bruyne's shot right. late in the game. And from the angle behind the net, it looked like a really comfortable one for Hugo, e- even though he kind of maybe saw it late and had to parry it wide instead of catch it. But yeah, I just never felt super under pressure from the city team today. Oh, see, I and I appreciate your optimism so much because we got <laughs> fucking battered for the first twenty minutes of this match. Yeah, and but I was never worried about it. That that's I, again, your optimism is amazing. <laughs> I was dead to rights worried. That's when interesting, shot though, Todd. In the middle of the box, like I was like, okay, well, this goal is coming. Like I, I definitely thought it coming. The one thing that I will say, and we kind of talked about this prior to the chat, and I think this kind of goes into the confidence factor, Dakota, is this is the most well-conditioned Spurs team that I've seen since a Mauricio Dude. Pochettino, like third, fourth year Mauricio Pochettino team. Yep. And so the, a big portion of, especially early in the season, when you're feeling good about your fitness level and they're gassing a little bit, it's a big deal. The other well, thing that I do yeah. want sorry, go ahead, Andrew. No, well, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you about that because that's a really good point and I agree with it, but what is that down to? Is that down to simply... Spurs had a, a lineup out there that had played together a couple of games in the preseason and and worked together and gotten li- gotten minutes under their legs and City maybe didn't have quite that that amount of preseason leg or is there something to Spurs specifically with um and I'm not trying to get into a a Mourinho thing here but is it a manager thing is there a yes it's absolutely you know, it's it's a regime thing I, okay. I can't I don't want to put it very much on the manager because especially with training tactics and things like that much of that boiled down to Yao Sacramento under Jose Mourinho so if you want to point fingers you start there the other thing that I the other thing that I want to come at on this is that the entire Nuno approach and we've heard things from Ali Gold about this and we've heard things from the different players about this the entire Nuno approach is like making sure that you're operating within that kind of optimal band of performance. And they've got sports scientists that are far better suited to have this conversation than I am. But I understand that like what they're doing and how they're deploying players and how they're utilizing personnel, at least up until this game, has shown us that they're taking a very conscious approach to maintaining fitness on the whole so that you don't have to worry about teams breaking down over time. I really think Nuno's team learned their lesson significantly from that run that Wolves had in the Europa League, where they went super deep and they were also banging on to the the league or the the Champions League door spots, and it got to like and they the had last twenty one like, players. Could do and it they with. got to like the last <laughs> six weeks of the season, and the the wheels fell off, man. Yeah, and so I think that that team learned, and and his backroom staff learned a lot from that. The other thing that I would say is that what we're seeing from a fitness standpoint is that we're seeing the players look fresh. And I haven't seen Spurs look fresh in a long time, man. That halftime whistle blew and we looked like we had 20 more minutes in our legs and City was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, it's very true. Well, and I'll tell you, that was the those final five to ten minutes of the first half were when I felt the most like, oh God, don't give it up here. Don't give up the goal right before half, because we've yeah. seen that story before. So and that is the moment where I just was great. I was grateful, even though the, even though the players might have been ready for another 20 minutes, I was grateful to get to half because I really felt like if we got to half at nil-nil there was a chance that we were going to nick one in the second half and actually steal the damn thing, which is obviously what happened. But if nothing else, I came into this match wanting a point, and I felt like getting to halftime goalless was going to give them a real chance to get that point. 
Um, and that was, that was the big relief for me. Um, in, in terms of the fitness, you guys make great point. I mean, it does feel like that is something, but I also, in addition to the, the regime change that you talk about, Todd, I do think there is something too. And this is why I thought the lineup would be the same as it was last week. I think there's something too. This team has played together already for a few weeks, even though they were warm up matches, even though they were preseason games that didn't actually mean anything, you know, this was something that, that mattered at least in my mind to them getting you know legs underneath one you know underneath themselves as a unit and as a team and i thought that that was really you know really important as well um i I wanted to ask this might be a controversial question um and i'm going to ask it to shuban shuban were spurs lucky to win this match because i thought that that young man's soul son goal could have probably been stopped it was a little weird the way that thing went in right he had he had a couple of times he could take on defender and didn't and didn't do it kind of thing and but this time i don't know when something was said at half time with a new nice said to him look you're getting those chances take a chance you know because it was an absolutely beautiful curler. Because if you look at it, I mean, Edison's not expecting it because he's he's thinking that Eke's going to show him onto he's going to show him onto the other side. He thinks that there's someone's going to be covering, and there just isn't. And I think the one thing, like you can, do, you know, what I think Pep, I've called him for Audiola, I've called him many things worse, but the one thing he's never really been able to do is coach defensives. He he can't he can coach them how to bring the ball out, but how to defend, how to put your body in the line as if. You, I, I, I call the Ramos quality. That Ramos get you over the line quality. Mm-hmm. He hasn't got that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. What I would say uh, is th- there's a couple of things on that uh, on that sunshine. I don't think that we were lucky to win this game. I think to Dakota's point, we were the we were the better team in the second half, and I think that that's that's what showed. Uh, what I will say is that that first shot that bounced off of uh, I don't know whose ass it was that yeah. Sonny had, where they didn't give him the corner. I thought that, that was shot. The- yeah, finds the bottom corner. If I that think ass so too. Get in the way. I think so, so too. The second thing that I would say is this: the goal that he scored. Poor Nathan Ake, who got absolutely skinned on that play. But if you, it's the one of the first opportunities that Sun had from the right hand side of the box, and so he showed him like Sun loves to that double step over to the left foot and that lefty, yeah, and that lefty. But I think because his traditional approach on that is is move and then near post i so like step over step over and then find the near post like those back those like identical goals against palace that he scored in the last two years but this one he went the curler and ederson was rooted to the ground it was glorious it's true it's true i just you know when i saw that goal i was surprised i think everybody i I watched shout out to to arizona spurs and fiver mcgee's bar uh, I watched with a group of people this morning and everyone that I was standing around were kind of surprised that that thing went in when it did, because it didn't look, it looked like he was sunny was almost just trying to put one on frame and it looked yeah. like Ederson could have gotten to it. And when it went in, we all kind of lost our minds um, on the flip side. And this is where I'm going to give Todd the, the room. There was another chance <laughs> that definitely oh, should have been a goal. Todd, do you want to go? Do you want to go on your Steven Bergvine rant? Yeah, look, man. Uh, he got an assist today, and I want to say congratulations to Steven Bergvine for a Premier League assist. What I will also say is that I hope that you should relish it because I don't think that you're going to start for Nuno's team in the Premier League again, especially <laughs> if we 
continue to see the uh, well the improvement of uh, Lucas Mora, uh, the inclusion of some guy that has played striker for us for a few years. Um, I think that if you're looking at this 11, the odd man out is easily Steven Bergheim. I thought he looked lost in attack, save the assist. I thought that there were several opportunities where he made the wrong passing decision where, you know, you had two options and he went the wrong way and it stunted the play going forward. And then he had a clear cut chance on goal. And honestly, I probably could have taken that better and I'm not good at this. I being harsh things to that thing. Edison is a very good goalkeeper. He makes himself big and, you know, he's full, he, he kind of forces the error kind of thing out of Stephen Bergwijn. So you've got to give Edison credit, I think. But, you know, holding his line, holding himself out there strong. I do think that I would like for him to get shot on target, test the goalkeeper, but you have to give him credit a little bit for that, just the way he positioned himself. Well, no, I mean, listen, getting in on goal like that, I thought – but the thing about Steven Bergvine is that we've never had an issue with his physicality, with his ability to track back, with his speed, with uh, even generally his decision-making on the ball. It's just been – the quality of the final product that isn't there. And yet again, we're having the same conversation. So I may be a little bit overly critical here, Shuban, but what I will say is that uh, there's good reason for it. I wonder how much of that criticism that we give Steven Bergvine for his final product is, uh, is swayed by the incredible volley goal he scored on his debut. We see that and we're like, Oh, this is, Finally, this is the goal scorer we've been wanting, and well, now he's not not doing that. And we we don't yeah, give that just, we don't give that same we don't really give that same pass to 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 Tungi and Dombele for for scoring on his debut either. Like there's there's a little bit of a difference there. I get I know, right? But, but yeah, yeah. I but but it's, I think what we all praised Steven Bergvine for a lot last season was. You know, he might not have been providing anything offensively, even as a winger, but he was providing a lot defensively um, in a in a in a Mourinho team that wanted to play defense and try to do something with the ball. I guess counterattack, um, low block, all, all, all whatever whatever description you want to put on it. Um, and he was and he and he did those things well. Um, but I kind of side a little bit more with Todd than 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 you might think on this. I, I think there, there needs to be a better finishing quality from Steven Bergvine if he wants to keep his place in this team, especially with a guy like Brian Heal on his, on, on his heels. Sorry, that did not that I didn't intend for that. But, um, you know, a, a guy like a guy like him in this team could really provide something perhaps finishing wise. Um, and, you know, I just there's also the matter of, you know, does this team actually still have a, a certain striker going forward? And does that bump Sonny back out? with Lucas on the other side, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's, this is what I'm saying. there's a lot of questions they, to, be, to be asked. Yeah. And this is what I'm saying is to imagine that because yeah, as it stands right now, that's what the facts say. We have a striker who's under contract who happens to be pretty good at playing football. And we probably want him to start in that team, uh, assuming that he still plays for us. Uh, and so, yes, of course, um, the second best attacking player is going to stay on the pitch and Steven Bergman is going to be relegated to bench minutes. And if that's the case, it's more likely, at least if I'm Nuno, based off of the performance that we just saw, that I look down that bench and look over Steven Bergvine's head and find Brian Heal, or I find Giovanni LaCelso late for a, a yep. defensive substitution, and Steven Bergvine's minutes wane back to lower than they were last year. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's going to be something to keep a lookout, but it's also not a bad thing when you're talking about a pretty much a, an 11 man squad that had 10 really, really good performances in it. Um, and one that was not as great. Um, you can kind of deal, you can kind of deal with that on most, on most weeks in the Premier League. And it's not a bad especially, thing. Especially if that not the one that's not as great ends up with an assist at the end. Well, can we, Correct. okay. So we've kind of given everybody a, a pass here, but I have to, I have to call out the one person that we haven't talked about today. Uh, and that's Delhi. Do it, Todd. That's oh. Delhi. I, I had to call out Delhi. Uh, and the reason why is, is simply because I thought that he put in a good shift as a squad player, mm. but he didn't do anything to make him want to put him back in that false nine again. Man, I think Delhi did exactly what Delhi was supposed to do today, and that's press the hell out of City when get get City in weird positions. <laughs> force the ball back into our hand and be available for a drop on a counterattack. Delhi ran 11 kilometers today. No, he ran his ass off. 11. And his fitness levels, and he was the one person that I would say on our team was the fittest yeah. out of everyone. Yep. It just, yeah. he didn't, there was one specific point where, and you could tell that he's not used to being last man, that he like, where yep. he had that opportunity to just stays where he's supposed to stay on that back post. He's there for the goal, but he cut in two steps, like two seconds too early, and the ball flashed wide. Yep. I, yep. It's the, the Delhi thing is interesting to me because I think we all still I, I won't say all. I think there's a, a large portion of the supporters that that still think that he is an out and out number ten and kind of like when Erickson was still around, those two were just like the two central attacking mids that were that ran things. I think there's still people who expect him to be that. And to Dakota's point, I do think he did exactly what he needed to do today. Now, is it flashy? Is it brilliant? Is it going to provide this team a lot of goals, a lot of assists? No, but it is still something that's needed and necessary. Um, and it's not going to be it's not going to be as flashy or as brilliant as Christian Eriksen was. It's not even really going to be as flashy or as brilliant as what we've seen Tangi and Dombele do when he's been on the pitch because he or does the it Delhi of old. Or the Delhi of old, but but I, I I do think, and I think calling him a squad player is a little bit harsh, but it's not. It's it's of the right mindset in that he's a he's a he's an important player on this team and can do a job. It just might not be the job that everyone wants him to do. He put in a Ben Davies performance today. Oh, I think that's. I still think that's harsh. <laughs> because Ben Davies' biggest. Proponent on this I know show. I am, but 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 Ben Davis. I was trying to give you a, a backhanded compliment. You should take it. <laughs> but Ben Davis is not a starter. <laughs> Delhi's a starter but on this. He's team, a player right? on this team that comes in and does a job. That's the exact definition of Ben Davies, and that's how you just described Delhi's performance today. I don't know. What you're but Ben Davis is. A, but Ben Davis is a squad player. You know, he's a squad player in the similar in the same way that Musa Sissoko and Harry Winks are squad players. Let me ask you this: Would you? have assuming our striker comes back do you keep steven bergvine and put him at the 10 and sit delhi no because steven bergvine hasn't shown me that he has he can the, press he, he can do all of the exact same things that you just said delhi did today i don't know that that, that bergvine has the pass in him that delhi does i think delhi has moments where he has flashes of brilliance Flashes of the old flashes of the old Delhi. Well, you didn't see them today in 90 minutes against the champions of England. Sure. Understood. Yeah. Understood. But next week against Wolves or the following week against Watford, you very well may. 
I've been the biggest Deli proponent. I've been the one who's staying. If you look at the stats, he's better than Gerard. He's better than Lampard. He's better than Scholes. Like, like if you look at all of these things, like they all line up. I've been that guy. In the last year, 18 months, we've seen Deli's game try to evolve. And I just don't know what Deli's game is going forward, Andrew. Those bits of quality are still there. I just don't know who he is. I think what you've seen is that his it has evolved, and we have to realize that he's not Gerard or or, or or Lamp. He's not those players. He's he's not at that level, but he's still at a level that is pretty damn good and can do some things. Okay. I think that's I think that's where we I think that's where we get ahead of ourselves as we start comparing him to players that he is not. It's players that we thought he was going to be four years ago, and yeah. it's okay that he's not going to live up to those expectations because he's still a very good player and can be on a very good team. <sighs> Andrew dropping realism right now, too. Oh, shit. I, you know, earlier before we started recording, Todd told me I was right about something, and and <laughs> and I'm just going to take what you just said there as the same exact thing. I'm yes, you are it. right, Andrew. There you go. <laughs> I love get hearing it. I don't get to hear it enough in the house, so I love hearing it on the podcast. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, look, we've still got a lot to talk about. We're going to break down a little bit more of this game, talk about some of, you know, give, give shouts to some of the other players because we didn't, you know, we need to do that. Uh, we put a man of the match poll out. We'll read the results of that uh, on our Twitter account. And there's still a matter of uh, that striker who we still, I don't think, have yet to name yet in these first uh, 30 or so minutes of this podcast. Let's keep it that way. Yeah, we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, and we'll do all that right after this. Welcome back to the Tottenham Depot. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm joined by Dakota, Todd, and Shuban. Uh, we put out a man of the match poll after the game. Not a ton of votes on it, but uh, we, we need your vote. Um, and Jaffa Tanganga ran away with it. I put up uh, Hyungman's son, Jaffa Tanganga, Lucas Mora, and then the other option was other. Um, and nobody really voted for other, so I guess he didn't, he didn't play as well. Um, but Jaffa Tanganga ran away with it. Uh, he would have been my man of the match as well. Was there any other shout for, for, for man of the match today from, from you guys? Um, was there anyone else? Cause PH gets a man of the man, man of the match shot for me every single time that he puts on a Tottenham kit. So I thought PH was good. I, I got a little nervous when he came off in the end. I think we'll, we'll need to wait around him. I'm sure that he's fine. He's the Viking, but, um, did, did no, come I'm off. Actually- did come off for Cudi Romero late in the match. So Romero got his 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 Tottenham debut, which was nice to see. It was nice to see him come onto the pitch and get applauded. It was cool right, and well. in the last five minutes or whatever, we went to a back five. Like, I don't think that that had anything to do with PH at all whatsoever. I think that that's simply to say that PH played like every Premier League minute for us last year, and maybe Nuno went probably going to give him a bit of a rest here and there. And hopefully hopefully on Thursday, he does get a rest. Um, I don't that's something that we'll talk about shortly. Um, before we get on to talking about Thursday, let's talk about that uh, that striker that we haven't mentioned as of yet. Um, the man who did not make the the twenty man squad, who I did not see at the stadium. Um, I don't believe he was there, but uh, I'll just say his name: Harry Kane. You certainly heard about him. The Spurs fans made sure if he wasn't yep. watching. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the match, Spurs fans started singing, are you watching Harry Kane? Um, this was obviously – look, I think that it, it was a little overblown. I got on on Twitter before the match, about an hour before, when the team news was revealed and, and it was realized that Harry Kane was not not with the team. Everyone decided in their own right that that means he's being sold tomorrow or maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. 
I think that that's a little preposterous and overblown. I think it was never, I don't think Harry Kane was ever going to be in the squad today. He just returned to training on Friday. Players don't return to training on Friday and play on Sunday. That's not how it works. This team, as I spoke about before the break, has been training together and playing preseason games together like this for a few weeks now and getting used to one another. You don't, even though he's Harry Kane, you don't just slot him into a team. Um, it's not something that happens. So it was not surprising at all to me that, you know, that, that he was left out. Um, it doesn't mean anything larger. It doesn't mean he's being sold today, tomorrow, next week um, for sure. But I just, to me, all of that was very overblown. And I will go to Todd first on this. Did it say anything more to you? Because to me, it, it, it was just like a no shit Sherlock kind of moment when he was left out. Well, yeah, it's this whole thing is absolutely preposterous, in my opinion. Uh, the man's still under contract. Daniel Levy has his price tag. City hasn't approached Daniel Levy's price tag. So if we're not having a conversation about him getting sold, we're having a conversation about him getting ready to play. Um, I don't think that he was ever going to play, to your point, today. Either way, I don't think he was going to play. The only other thing that I will say on this is that I think that the way that this has been presented by his team and by the media is simply to continue to make this a story because having the England captain as a storyline sells papers and gets clicks. It's not hard. It's not hard. And he's not playing. So his, uh, Performance on the field isn't the focal point. We can't talk about it to kind of deflect away from the contract situation because he's not playing. So everybody gets to speculate about why he's not there and everybody gets to be butthurt about the fact that he's not in the stadium and like you got to come and support the squad. And I agree with that. If this was any other year, Harry Kane would have been in the stadium. But he's clearly making a statement that he's unhappy. And based off of the fact that he's not showing up, I think he's really not happy. Shuban, should he have been in the stadium? Should he have been in the stands watching this, or does it matter to you? For me, you know what? If he wants to leave, he's going to do it. hand in a request. And then you make sure you're professional in training, and if you're called, you turn up. But you know what? I think if he'd been there at the stadium, all the cameras would have been, would have been on him. And look, do you know what? I was watching, was it? I think I was watching Brentford Arsenal, which is, let's face it, how enjoyable was that game? But even so, yeah, how did that one turn out, by the way? I don't yeah, remember. What was the on that, Jukes? I don't know. I don't know. I think there was a thing about bees and Coley Culkin and Nicholas Hope. Yeah. <laughs> Thank so, you for um, that. No, but I'm, so what I'm saying is, but even like, here's the thing. Sky, even then, they're, they're no longer owned by the, by, the, by the Murdoch group. They still have an agenda. Sky Sports News, they have an agenda. And they, it's about controversy. It's about getting people angry enough to watch Sky. And that's like talk sport, you know? I think people angry enough to be angry enough to talk about it. And so that's what they do. And I'm thinking, why enough are you even mentioning Harry Kane at Brentford games? It's nothing even to do with it. Oh, Southgate is there. That's a form of Harry Kane or something. It was just absolutely pointless. For me, Harry Kane has two choices. He can say, do you know what? I want to leave. I'm going to hand in a transfer request. And that's it. I want to leave. Hand in a transfer request. That means you don't get 10% of the fee. And therefore, Spurs get all the money for that. But... The reason he doesn't want to do that is, first of all, there's a, there's a monetary loss for him, number one. Number two, it will... The fact that we were even mentioning his name, 
I've only ever seen that. The only person, the only player whose name we do not mention was that yeah. was that yeah. meant years ago. Yeah. But the way this came now, who doesn't do anything like that, says quite a lot. He doesn't want to damage the relationship with Spurs because you know what? He lives in. He, well, I don't, don't say I give away where he lives, but he lives not too far from Spurs. He's probably going to still be living around that way. He'll still want to be part of Spurs because he's he's a huge part of Spurs legacy. He doesn't want to damage his Spurs legacy. That 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 new piece of crap knew him as a knew him as a shithole in, in London. You know, he didn't give a shit. He he was all about himself, which is fine. He wanted to win. He wanted Champions League. He obviously yeah. won. But Harry Kane, it's about winning. You know, winning with that team. And then I'm, I'm I'm you know, and he wanted to win with Spurs. We hasn't happened. But I look at where we are now. Our defense was hopeless last season. Uh, hopeless at times. And I don't know what crazy glue, what kind of voodoo thing that he's done, you know, or whatever, you know. But Nuno has got us working together. There's a plan. We're working hard, not just for the team, but for each other. We're working together second balls. Is it fitness? I don't know what it is. But for me, I think Nuno deserves that chance from Harry Kane. And I think, personally, do you know what? If Man City want you, they will pay for you. They have right. limitless right. amounts of money. Right. We know FFP doesn't apply to them. We know that. So well, therefore, if they want you, they will pay for you. Because there's a borders in your court. Either put up or shut up. And 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 to your guys' point about why is Harry Kane being spoken about, part of the reason is because he's Harry Kane. He's one of the best players in the world. But it, to Todd's point, it's also to sell papers and, and the people are going to post numbers and this and that. And all of that is just stuff as Spurs fans, I think, that we kind of have to deal with and also somewhat ignore. Um, I'm going to go to Dakota on this one because I know, Dakota, I know you don't work for Manchester City. Your application is, is pending. But if you're Manchester City and you see the lack of a striker that they had today against Tottenham, does are you at all inspired to add 30 million pounds, 40 million pounds, 50 million pounds to your bid for Harry Kane at this point? Yeah, I mean, if we want to get down to it, Manchester City missed Harry Kane more than we did today. <laughs> so if if that's the case and you're Manchester City and the only thing lacking from your trophy cab- cabinet that is, you know, 10 years old or whatever is a European Champions League trophy and you're in the position where you can buy it essentially you meet the demands of whatever, you know, whoever, in this case, Daniel Levy and Fabio Paratici is asking, you meet it. You throw the money on the table and say, we want this trophy and this is how we get it. Um, And, you know, after all this talk of Pep Guardiola calling us the Harry Kane team, it's ironic that he has to become the Harry Kane team in order to win the biggest thing uh, without Messi. So, uh, yeah, I, if you're Manchester City, you've got to lay the money down on the table. And if not, deal with it. Uh, you know, like Shuban said, put up or shut up. Because uh, at this point, it's very obvious that Daniel Levy is not going to take anything less than what he's asking for, nor should he. It is kind it's of only a tough look. Harry Kane once. Yeah, it is, it is kind of a tough look for Pep Guardiola. Uh, or as I, I heard him called many times during during the game today at the bar, Pep Fraudiola. Um, 
it is kind of tough for him to go out and lose a game like this to, to Tottenham Hotspur, in which you are heavily favored. And sure, it's just one one match. It's one week. It's it's a long Premier League season. But to go out with everything going on surrounding, you know, both of these clubs for the last, let's call it month, month and a half, two months, uh, for everything going on to go out and lose this match and do it when you didn't even start Jesus, uh, he had to come on. You don't really have a recognized striker that you're willing to start in the first week of the Premier League season. Uh, and you cannot score a goal against, uh, and, and look, they played well, but you can't score a goal against Eric Dyer and Davinson Sanchez. Uh, that says a lot to me about the, the, the need for a striker for, for that team. And, and when you look at the Premier League weekend as a whole, as we look back, you see that Chelsea looked good. Manchester City, uh, Manchester United looked good. There, you know, Liverpool looked good. There are other teams that are off to a really good start and are going to be nipping on City's heels um, as this Premier League season goes on. Again, it's overreaction theater. It's one week, but well, that's that's something, right? Well, here's the other thing: is De Bruyne didn't play. And you know, there's just there's there's they weren't they didn't look particularly better in. And the thing is, is that you're still trying to figure out where Jack Grealish actually fits in that team. Sure, I, there's there's a lot of of um, upheaval that has occurred behind the scenes in City, especially after not winning the Champions League again. Um, and so the one thing that I because I was the one that said that they were going to fall out of the top four last year, I thought that the the, 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 the project was over, and I was wrong. And the reason why is because they have so much money that they have so much depth that they don't have to come out of the gates like a barn burner and hope that nobody runs them down like we would uh, because they have the quality and the depth to be able to sustain over the course of a 36 team season. So I, I don't necessarily think that they're out of the conversation uh, but you're right, Andrew. It's I think there's much more parity at the top than there has been in the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Siobhan, Siobhan's here playing a violin for Manchester City's woes, <laughs> and Jack Grealish fits in just as much on the bench as he does somewhere on the field. And it's just no, problem. no, it's true. I don't. I mean, I don't. I certainly don't give a shit about Manchester City's problems. Um, <laughs> and and as I said in the preview episode of, of this very podcast, if if ever you're going to play Manchester City. You want to play them right now. And look what happened. Bingo. The, the exact result that you wanted happened be, kind of because of all of those reasons, right? And you know what? There, there's an Argentine that can't currently can't play for his new club. He might want to come back to Manchester City. Yeah, that's a, you know that's, that's a you good know shout. Why, why, why wouldn't that happen? Because clearly they're not, you know, if Daniel Levy says, you know, I am going to dig my heels in. And I'm, unless I get the price I want, then who knows? They might end up having to re-sign Aguero just because they need a striker. Uh, I mean, to to your point, Shuban, as we are recording this, I'm sitting here watching Barcelona uh, up up three 0 late in a match against Real Sociedad, and and Aguero is sitting on the bench in street clothes um, because he's not even yet registered. I don't believe because Barcelona have so many things going on, uh, including, of course, Lionel Messi moving to Paris, and. Lionel Messi was, of course, part of the reason that Aguero went to Barcelona. So maybe he does end up uh, going back to City. I've, I've certainly heard that rumor, uh, possibly as a, as a you know that's been percolating for a few days. So again, this is not a Manchester City podcast. We don't really give a shit about Manchester City's problems. 
Um, we're just happy that their problems happened uh, to land on match day one when they were on the schedule for Spurs to beat their ass at home, which is great. Let's go. Um, as for Spurs, we turn our attention now, not quite yet to the next Premier League match against Wolves, although keep an eye out later this week. We will have a Wolves preview pod uh, that is on the docket. Um, and, but Thursday, the Europa Conference League, the inaugural Europa Conference League, and Spurs travel to Portugal to face Pacos de Ferreira, I believe is 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 how we're well saying done. it. Pasos. Um, Pasos, Pasos de, de Ferreira. Pasos de Ferreira. Uh, finished fifth last year in the Portuguese uh, league. Um, and I believe actually play their, their second league match of the year on Monday. Uh, they have a match on Monday. Um, so we'll see how that turns out for them, I guess. They did win their first match of the season. Um, but this is this is a match that I feel like is going to be a little more challenging than we might have expected. This is a play-in round, and Spurs will play two legs away this Thursday, home next Thursday. Um, and then if they win the, the ag- on aggregate, they get into the group stage already for, for the Conference League. Um, maybe a little more challenging than we thought it might be, but this is still a match that Spurs should be able to, to turn out a pretty rotated squad and still roll in. Right, Todd? Well, yeah, I, I, I hope that we, okay. So let's call this what it is. Uh, the Liga Nos is about three teams at the top that are worthwhile and everybody else is less than, um, I've never heard of these folks before we're playing them. So I'm not even going to pretend like I know how they're going to come out. But what I will say um, is that I think that this gives us a great opportunity for some rotation. I think this gives us a great opportunity to stretch the legs again. Um, And I think that this gives us a really good shot um, at a trophy. So I'll take it. Dakota, do you do you expect a few regulars to play in this match? Because I kind of do. I kind of think we will see the likes of perhaps even Sonny, maybe Skip, maybe you know, maybe we get some rotation in the fullbacks, maybe in the center backs. But I think Spurs will want to go out in this first leg on the road and get a few goals and get a lead built going into the home leg uh, a week from Thursday. Yeah, I. I don't think Sonny will play. I think, like we mentioned earlier, I think Nuno has learned his lesson that the season is a long one, especially when you're playing in Europe and you expect and hope to make deep cup runs in the domestic cups. So I think Sonny gets Thursday off, uh, and I think we'll see uh, Stone Cold Dane Scarlett, as we were talking about earlier during our break, uh, make his you know his debut um in the Europa Conference League for us and I think we do see some rotation because even a rotated squad that we have should be enough to put a few past this Pasos de Ferreira side and we should be sitting pretty next week to be able to rotate again on Thursday and coast to a victory um and be be guns blazing for the premier league. But I say that that's what we were hoping for in the early stage of the Europa league last year. And that's not right. what happened. So I think, you know, Sonny's going to make the trip. People, guys like that are going to make the trip. Um, and maybe, maybe just be on the bench and be on the bench. And if we need them come 60 minutes in, 
they then they will come on. But uh, you know, Dane Scarlett, Brian Heel, Niall John, perhaps even uh, going to get a get a run out in this Europa Conference League and begin the next wave of Tottenham youth that are hopefully going to carry us to many years of glory. And, and of course I'm the idiot because I forgot that UEFA dumped the away goals rule. So building up a lead on the road, this Thursday yeah. won't, won't matter as much as it, as it previously would have, but building up a lead would still be nice. If you can go in three nil up, it, yep. it, it still matters, but not as much as it would have in the away leg versus the home leg. Shuban, I'm curious for, for your opinion on just this competition as a whole, as we, as we enter it for the first time, obviously it's a new competition. Do you care about this competition being a third tier European competition? Not really. It's about, look, if, do you know what? If you are basically back to where we were many years ago, where we had to win the Europa League to have a, even have a hope to Champions League, then yes. And then it's just a shiny trophy, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know what the Europa Conference League even wins you. For yeah. me, it's an opportunity to play, to play the kids, to get them. This is like, this is your chance to say, you know what? Every week, no matter how you know you are going to be playing, we can be like we can guarantee you ten games or how many group stages there are. As Dane Skyler, Alfie Devine, Niall John, whoever, you know, maybe Jaffa Tangango, if you don't know, how it's going to work out because he's obviously said to such chance for right back. And now that for me is a chance to say, you know what? Plus, we can put players like Wings in there, Soko in there. Then you know what? You've got to sell yourself. You've got to yeah. go in there and show what you're made of. So this is your window. For me personally, I can see us doing a bat three just to give Romero. I think Romero did. I, I don't think they wanted to bring Romero one, but I don't think maybe that was the plan. Yeah. And also, they did bring him on <coughs> bat three before for, um, I think, a Batalant. Sorry, sorry, not Batalant. For, um, for, uh, I've got the same team now. The thing came from. Uh, from the I don't know. Was that Atalanta? Atalanta, yep. but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd play, yeah, play him in the play him in the back three, and I'd basically say, look, I think someone like Stephen Bergwijn, that'd be interesting because I would actually want to say, do you know what? Go your boost, lad. This is your chance. Get your confidence. But yeah. I play, God no, I'd say, Sonny, you stay at home. You, if it wasn't for the fact that we have to sign Galini if we he ends up playing like twenty games for us, I wouldn't even play Galini. But I think you want to. I think Galini obviously knows Romero from their time together. Kind of thing, I think that helps them settle. Obviously, they also I see where you're going on that. And do you know what? I think, no, yeah, I think I'm. I, I think I think personally, I think we we'll play a back three, probably Doherty playing, and you know, and the wing back position he played for. Nunes played Santa Wolves, maybe Cesc, maybe Ben Davis. See how that works yep. out. And I think Give we'll good see run out. And I, you know, what? the last thing anyone wants to see is a wing soaking midfield. The last thing anyone wants to see. But you know what? If they can't do that against, I don't know, you know, not no disrespect to the Portuguese league, but if you're not Sporting, Porto, or Benfica, you're not really. Do you know what I mean, I'm sorry, you're not. Yeah. You're not even Marimo or whatever. Do you know what I mean? You're just if you're not one of those three, then sorry, it's not you don't count. But you know, but no, it's fair. You went to Soko, and you're saying, you know, I want to be part of this, or I want to, you know, I want to show that I'm worth playing. Show what you're worth playing in. I think personally, I think we are going to see. I think one change. I think we might see Brian Hill, just because you know, obviously it's it's, it's a it's a climate that he's familiar with, and maybe we might see Dane Scott. I think we may see a couple of people, 
but I think maybe three, four, three. But personally, I just want to get us in there, get us in the group. I don't care if we tank out the group stages. I just want to get people playing because you know what? Yeah. Less than 16, Chelsea in 16, 17. By not playing week in, week out, you know, by playing week in, week out, Nuno had, yeah, you know, those coaches had the time and, you know, with the players, they had the bandwidth to say, look, we're still working on. And that's what you saw. That's why you're able to see so many one nil wins. Because that's thought, a good shout. There was a one nil win, but it wasn't a squeaky bum one nil win. But it was it was a game of you had to be controlled. We had to be game management. We had to do like I don't know what so TC did thing of something someone this show about scarf and Toby Bryant. I've no idea what he was talking about. But uh, yeah, to to are here right now. But we have to be predators. Right now, those sardines in Portugal, they are they are our prey. <laughs> I uh, I fully expect Dane Scarlett to be playing uh, as a as a secondary striker to Harry Kane on Thursday. I think that's going to happen. Why not? I'm kidding. I'm joking. Um, but but that would be really funny if they yes, decided to just throw Harry Kane out there. Didn't and, play and, against uh, City, but start against, him against uh, against the yeah uh-huh. against the fifth best Portuguese team. That would crack me up. No, the one thing I did look up about this this team. Um, is is what color their kit is, and they wear a yellow home kit and a white away kit. So obviously they won't be wearing white next Thursday. But I figured at home they may wear the yellow home kit, and that may give Spurs the first chance to wear the dark cosmic kit instead of the white. So that is something to perhaps look out for as 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 we as we approach Thursday. Uh, as I mentioned, keep an eye out. We will have a midweek podcast previewing the Wolves match next Sunday. Uh, rather ahead of next Sunday. Of course, that's a big, big deal because our manager came from there. So we're going to talk to uh, <laughs> to to some Wolves experts about that. Uh, keep an eye out on the podcast feed for that. Um, otherwise, uh, this has been a fun one, gentlemen. Uh, I've enjoyed this greatly. It's obviously a great start to the season for the Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Uh, three points, three in the from, bag from 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 three possible. Um, and we always love that to start a season, but we especially love it when it's against the oil citizens from up north. That's right. Uh, it is good stuff. Uh, you can follow Shuban at the real Shuban. You can follow Dakota at Dakota J Booth. Follow Todd at TC underscore Kasho. Follow myself at A Stetka and follow the podcast at Tottenham Depot. Also, I'll give a shout out to Scott. Follow Scott, who couldn't be with us today at GSM Spurs. Uh, he's pumped. Was about he sleeping well. in a car again? No, he wasn't sleeping he in the car. He he definitely yes. watched the match. I was I was surprised. He did he did message everyone in the group chat this morning about uh, twenty minutes before the match started, just making sure that this wasn't a preseason match. Just making sure that this <laughs> one counted. So we did Love inform it. him that this one did count. It was for real, and it's three points in the bag for Spurs. Uh, we will be back with you uh, midweek, uh, probably Wednesday into Thursday is is my guess uh, for a preview pod at Wolves. Until then. Uh, for Dakota, for Shuban, for Todd. I am your host, Andrew. As always, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Get in there. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs.